Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. Uh, if, you're no, if you're new here, I welcome you to the show. Uh, after finishing up this cast, scroll back to the episodes one and two, where I lay out what the Left of Normal mind is all about and how understanding each other is the only way that we can build a better world. For the regulars, I appreciate your support. As a left of normal, the hardest part of running this podcast is actually expanding the reach. So it would mean the world to me if you would help out with just a simple five-star review and share it with a friend that you think will get some value from this. Last week, we talked about focusing on different topics and how the left of normal can tend to hyper-focus. While a lot of people can hone in on one subject, the left of normal mind tends to hyper-focus on their special interest and can often ignore a lot of other issues around them. It's a good thing and a bad thing, and there's a lot of research out there that indicates society wouldn't actually be where we are now without a good mix of the lefts and normies. Today we have a special guest on the show. Uh, guests come on about every fourth week, so if you have a great story or a brilliant insight, I would love to have you on the show. Just send me a message or leave a comment or contact me by my preferred way, which is to have it inscribed on the side of a brand new power tool and dropped off at my door. I've known today's guest for about three-ish years, I think. Uh, but with all our meetings over the last 14 months or so, it feels like it's been a whole lot longer than that. We'll get into a little bit more on that soon, but first, welcome to the show, Shane Victor. How are you guys doing? Glad to be here. So I like to start out each episode with a couple of the same similar questions to just to kind of set the stage. Um, so Shane, do you remember kind of the first time we met or some of the earlier interactions? Kind of what did you think of me and the way I acted or interacted with you and the people around us at the time? And just as a reminder, folks, I've encouraged my guests to be open and truthful and not worry about hurting my feelings because I don't actually have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe the first time I met you, I thought you were very interesting. And I really didn't know that you were as good of a writer that you are. Um, but you definitely seem like you had, you were very connected with the community and everybody. It seems like Scott here just knows everyone and everybody knows him. So that was definitely my first impression. Like I was really surprised when I would meet other people that knew exactly who I was talking about. Like I would say your name and they would go Siri. And I was like, oh yeah, Scott Siri. I feel like I'm not incredibly well connected, but maybe I make more of an impact than I think I do. Definitely. Um, so how aware or how much experience do you have with people who are on the autism spectrum and what are the biggest things you have learned in recent years that made you th think, oh, okay, now that makes sense? Um, <clears throat> I, I guess I don't really know that many people on the autism spectrum, um, but the ones that I do know, actually, I do know a few and, and I would actually say... I find autism is like a superpower. I feel like almost every single person that I meet with autism is brilliant in some way. Uh, how has the understanding of left of normal changed the way you act or interact with people just in general, whether they're on the spectrum or not? So I would say that 
it changed my perspective perspective by meeting people that had autism. Um, but also, I, I real quick, I have a question for you. Are you are you do you have autism? Yeah, that's what the that's what the left of normal. It's, I, I prefer Asperger's, which okay. isn't actually like a diagnosis anymore. Right, and I call it left of normal because I really don't like the words Asperger's syndrome or autism disorder, yeah. and so I changed it up with the next week's podcast actually talks about syndrome and disorder a little bit more and so it kind of i don't like those terms because i think they're derogatory yeah and so i like to consider myself as just left of normal when you think of normal people thinking i think just left of normal dude i love that and i think that that alone just explains my perception on autism because or just autism in general is because i had no idea that you were autistic i just thought you were this like brilliant ingenious guy there's a there's a website called autistic not weird and i want to make a counter website that says weird and autistic (laughs) we're just weird (laughs) very interesting so with understanding about autism and the people that you've met um has the left of normal you've listened to a few episodes here and there i know i've mentioned you in a few in the past uh has this podcast or the community or anything like that opened your eyes to anything in your own life and your own personality even if you kind of see yourself as opposite of the autistic people that you know and meet dude i definitely don't think i'm opposite opposite because i'm definitely adhd and i definitely know that i have a different thinking pattern than most people but I would definitely say that like you as a whole have impacted my life in many ways. And as for, for any of you that don't know, Scott Siri is writing my book. So um, very interesting. And I would definitely say that the podcast, the, the couple episodes I had listened to were very interesting and definitely changed my perspective on just life in general. Um, the funny thing is, is I didn't realize that um, left a normal meant like that was your perception of autism. So that's very interesting. That kind of leads us into the next question. Uh, Shane has actually hired me to write his biography. Uh, He has an incredible story that's just like, it's one wild ride after another. So if you could tell us a little bit about you, kind of how you got to where you are today, maybe the very condensed version so (sighs) people don't get all the stories they gotta go buy the book when it comes out. Heck yeah. So. I was raised by a drug addict. My mom was a drug addict all of her life, and most of my childhood I was surrounded by her and her drug addiction. We you know, jumped around, never really had a place to live that we could call our own, mostly living with family and friends and sleeping on couches and sleeping in people's living rooms or spare bedrooms. <clears throat> and then when I was 13, my father committed suicide, and that was when I started drinking and using myself. And By the time I was 25, I had first injected opiate painkillers IV, and that's when I became addicted to heroin. And, you know, I always told myself that I didn't want to be like my mom and, like, tried to stay completely away from it, but ended up going down a lot of the same journey that she did. But after hitting rock bottom when I was 28, uh, had a couple overdoses and really just ran myself into the ground, I found myself in prison. And this is when I found myself, really. That rock bottom, uh, that 35-day withdrawal is kind of what woke me up, right? It was like where I realized what I was doing with my life and that I didn't want to go down that path. So in jail and in prison, I started reading and journaling and meditating and just working on myself as a person. And then after 
being incarcerated, I went to treatment. And out of the 88 people that I was in treatment with, only two people made it out that didn't go back. And then I ended up fighting MMA. So found myself in Billings after I had my probation officer relocate me to Billings, Montana. And I went to some MMA fights and just kind of remembered what I wanted to do with my life. So I went into the MMA gym and then channeled that heroin addiction, that opiate addiction, that compulsive behavior towards something positive. I filled that void in my life with MMA. And because of the the drive and the addiction to what I was doing, I was able to do a lot in the sport in a short period of time. So in about four years, I fought and trained in Thailand and trained with some of the best fighters in the world. And then, you know, the way that I fought and trained, I didn't have a very long uh, career. Uh, about four years in, I ended up taking a pretty nasty shot to the head and having a concussion episode, which forced me to retire. But because of the self-work I was doing, like I said, I was able to channel that into something new because I knew where I was going. I knew I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I was already speaking at Rimrock, the treatment facility here, and I knew where I was going. So I came back to Montana from Florida uh, when I was almost in the UFC, and then everything was taken out from underneath me, found myself back in Montana, and I started a drywall business called The Patch Guy. And once again, just channeled that addictive behavior towards entrepreneurship and self-development. And now I own three businesses and I'm a mindset coach and a motivational speaker. I, I now coach other people to realize that their trauma is their superpower, not their weakness. All right. Uh, that kind of brings up the question. Uh, most people that get locked up, jail, prison, whatever, and most people that go to treatment go through the steps and then they get out and they go right back to doing whatever stupid things they were doing before. Yes. Why do you think people don't have the same epiphany that you did? Why Why do they just keep destroying their life instead of realizing that this sucks, I need to do something different? Well, one of the things I feel like is a really big factor in that is a lot of us will go to treatment and then we're doing all this self-work on ourselves, you know, like the 12-step programs or whatever they're doing for their recovery. And then when they get out of treatment, that stops. And I just never stopped. I just kept working on myself, kept journaling, kept trying to find awareness in who I am. And that's actually the big realization that I had was that this this work never stops. You're always working on yourself, trying to be 1% better every day till the day you die. So without that support structure, that being forced to work on themselves, people just don't have the discipline to do it themselves. Yes, definitely. And that brings up another really big factor that I would say for anybody that is coming out of treatment or incarceration incarceration that you know was a fresh addict is like surround yourself with the right people. Find a good support group. Well, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they go back to trying to be friends with the people they were friends with that the people that they were friends with while they were in their addiction. Uh, so recently, uh, this newest shift, the big major shift uh, in your focus is incorporating more training, coaching, and just helping people overcome their struggles instead of kind of, uh, you went through the patch guy, you worked drywall for a little while, you helped start Kava Roots, and now you're doing this training and coaching. Tell me a little bit more about this newest direction and kind of what pushed you there rather than building another maybe service industry business. 
Yeah, so while I was doing the Patch Guy, the uh, funny thing is, is I was actually hiring addicts and like giving them a job, first of all, but I had them going to the gym with me and meditating and journaling and, and you know doing self-work on themselves. So I was actually coaching people in my drywall business. And this is what kind of just woke me up to my purpose on earth. You know, I, I knew my purpose on earth was to share my story. Uh, so I had like this drive to create a, a crazy big, you know, flamboyant type lifestyle or story, but I didn't really realize that I could, you know, guide people to do the same thing. And one of the biggest standpoints that we make in Havoc Mindset is all of us create limiting beliefs with the experiences that we've had in our life, right? Like we tell ourselves, oh, I was a drug addict. I could never own a business like that. Or I was homeless. I could never have a house like that. When in all actuality, these life experiences is the best knowledge and wisdom that we're going to get. And those struggles and hard roads and tough times are actually the training to make you able to do something great. All right. So kind of going into the future, what do you see kind of coming down the line for Havoc Mindset, for Shane Victor as a person? Or do you see what do you see trending in the mindset industry right now? Kind of three different questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll start with the first part of the question. So... We are actually starting a nonprofit right now. Uh, we're working on taking eight weeks of our course into pre-releases and treatment facilities so that we can help other addicts. Um, you know, right now we coach people that are already in recovery. We coach people that have had trauma in their life and even business owners that have hit like a really hard wall or have found unhappiness. But now we want to take it into, you know, like live you know, live time in, in pre-release, in treatment, because those guys just have such a hard time with direction and they don't see their potential. So that's definitely, you know, the next uh, direction we're going. And then also after me and Scott get done with my book, I would really like to go promote it and go do more speaking events and, you know, try to get into the space of motivational speaking in front of big groups. Uh, I would, you know, one of my dreams is to, to be on stage in front of thousands of people just telling my story and giving the value that I can. Um, one of the trending things I see in the coaching business and in the mindset world right now is the lack of rock bottom. So one of the things I feel like that makes me unique to a lot of other coaches is I've been in some of the darkest places. I've been in the trenches. And I feel like that rock bottom really gives you a better perspective, but it also helps all walks of life relate with you. So on another standpoint as well, I feel like in the coaching business with the with the way the technology has been is a lot of people are coaching through Zoom. And I don't think that that's a bad idea. I think that's great. But I also think that the energy that you have connecting with somebody in person is very powerful. So that's something that I would like to bring. I would like to travel around the world and meet my clients, you know, face to face at least a few times. And um, I think that's going to change the game, really. All right. Uh, so you mentioned uh, before the podcast started, uh, just when I, we kind of reviewed these questions real briefly, just so we're not caught off guard. Uh, I said trending in the mindset world uh, right now, and you 
asked, is that the mindset industry or the world's mindset? Kind of tell us, tell me what you told me earlier about yeah. what you see people, what you see happening. I feel like a big struggle that people tend to fall into is this victim mindset, right? If we can flip our perspective to see that everything that happens in our life is happening for us and not happening to us, I think that that would be very life, very life changing for a lot of people. Uh, one of the biggest superpowers I think that people could have is self awareness, right? If we can be aware of the way that we're acting about a situation or the way that we're presenting ourselves to a struggle or a hard road, it's very powerful. And you know, we see this everywhere. So, like even in politics, I'm not a very political person, and one of the things that I notice is. The farther left you go in politics and the farther right you go in politics, the more victim stance there is, right? It's this person's fault. No, it's those guys' fault. And I think that this is something that is really pumped out in the media and propaganda is, you know, we're on the news and, and you know, on our media streams and in social media all day long, we're seeing the negative, the bad, the the way the world is going to shit, you could say. But really, this is honestly like one of the best times to be alive. And I feel like we're conditioned. We're conditioned to think poor me. And we're conditioned to think, oh, these guys have such a big impact on my life. It's their fault. And that's a very, very dangerous road and type of mindset to fall into. All right. Kind of uh, along those lines, you just mentioned that uh, the lack of hitting rock bottom. Uh, do you believe that uh, we're rescuing people too soon? We're not letting people fail hard enough, so they're not really learning good lessons. Do you think we need to kind of let them go down their poor choice rabbit hole for a little longer so they realize the consequences of what they're doing. Oh, with drug addiction especially, right? Like there are like, you know, and, and which is understandable, right? If you have a child that's going through addiction, you want to make sure that they're not going to die. You want to make sure that they're safe and they're protected. But sometimes we start enabling. There's a very fine line in helping somebody compared to enabling somebody. So yes, I definitely would agree with that. Do you see that kind of going on to uh, not just the drug addiction world, but in maybe like the business world or just life in general when you're, especially like a child, that you're trying to help them succeed, but they're doing things wrong. Let's say your kid wants to start a lawn mowing business and you're trying to help them succeed, but they need to make the mistakes or do you think it's okay to push them along and not let them fail quite as hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, we can get on a little story here. It's like when I was five years old, and this is like very, very, um, this is, you know, pretty extreme. But like when I was four years old, I went to touch a hot electric stove. <laughs> And my uncle stopped my mom from stopping me because she was going to stop me from doing it. And my uncle let me touch that stove and it burnt the hell out of my hand. And right afterwards, my uncle looked at me and he said, you won't touch that again, huh? It's hot. <laughs> and I never touched the stove again. So I definitely think that there's like you want to make sure that it's a safe um, it's a safe way to teach somebody. But yes, I definitely think that 
it is always good to learn from experience, right? So when you learn something in a classroom or somebody gives you advice, this is just an idea and you don't take it to heart the same way you do when you fail because then there's emotions involved and feelings involved. But I don't think it's bad to guide, right? Like coach and guide people at all. But I definitely think that there's a lot of situations where you do need them to learn from experience and let them fall on their face a little bit. It's funny, the, the stove story. I have a handful of adult friends that have never been burnt by a hot stove until adulthood. And I just kind of look at them like, I don't even touch a stove that I know is off because I've been burnt and I don't want to accidentally burn myself. Like, why would you even lean on that? Who right. does that? Yeah. And then I realized they never burned themselves as a kid. So they're in their 30s and they're just now learning, don't lean on the stove. It might be hot. <laughs> yeah. My uncle even almost let me put a fork inside of a receptacle, <laughs> like a plug and I, yeah, an outlet. Probably a good one to stop. Yeah. 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 Because that, yeah, that could be a bad situation. All right. Uh, is there anything else that we should know about life, the universe, everything? Yeah. Don't hold on to your hard experiences and your failures so tightly and label yourself right away, right? Like I feel like a lot of us label ourselves a failure or label ourselves due to the experiences that we've had. Uh, when really these are all just learning lessons. It's all just wisdom. It's all just everything in life. I feel like everything that life in life that happens is creating us to be the person that we need to be. All right. Uh, normally that's my follow-up or my last question. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to ask one more. Is there something you teach in the Havoc Mindset? I think you said it's an eight-week course. Oh, 12-week. We, we have a 12-week course. Uh, we also do one-on-one -on -one coaching. One-on-one -on -one coaching is like a six-month coaching situation. Uh, our 12-week course is a group course. Um, it's more group coaching, but sorry. Uh, for both of those, what, what, do, what can people expect to take away? What's, uh, what's a good, you know, what are they going to get out of it? So one of the main things that we focus on is your paradigm. So we all see the world through a paradigm, which is the filter that we see the world through. And this is dictated by the experiences that we've had, the parents that we've been raised around, and, and, and honestly, what we have seen and observed and experienced. And in that paradigm, you can get stuck in a cycle, right? So when you have a paradigm, that's kind of like, your belief system and it's like having a red pair of glasses on right well your the example i always like to give is a gentleman that thinks he's overweight because his family's overweight that is his paradigm and that brings on thoughts of like what's the point of going to the gym i'm going to be overweight and fat forever and those thoughts create feelings of despair and worthlessness and those feelings are then going to create actions or lack of actions like going to the gym or not going to the gym and then those actions are going to create results like being unhealthy getting out of wind when you're going upstairs situations like that and then that those results are going to then again feed that paradigm and say yeah you're right you're fat you're always going to be fat but if you can have small wins if you can change that paradigm by taking small actions, then that is when the paradigm shift happens. And this is something that we 
focus on a lot in Havoc Mindset. One of the number one things that you can expect in Havoc Mindset is in the first month, your perception about yourself is going to change. You're going to start seeing your true capabilities. You're going to start seeing your true strengths. Uh, One of the exercises we do, I actually took from treatment. And in treatment, what they do is they have you write out your, your timeline. It's pretty much, you know, the good and bad highlights that you've had throughout your life. So I have them categorize it under good and bad highlights. And then I take those highlights that created limiting beliefs in their life. And I have them put them in a category under limiting beliefs. And then I have them go through those experiences for each experience. And I have them map out what skills and talents have you adapted or adopted from these bad experiences. And this exercise alone will shift your mindset. You will start to see that you are capable of more than you've been telling yourself. So the story that you have in your head is very powerful and that's what we focus on first. All right, Um, how can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook obviously at Shane Fichter, uh, on Instagram, as Shane Havoc Mindset. I'm on TikTok as Shane Havoc Mindset. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, hit me up on Messenger on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn at Shane Victor. You guys can message me, reach out, uh, or you can go to HavocMindset.com and you can book a call with me or Ian. Ian is my business partner in Havoc Mindset. And yeah, excited to hear from you guys and stay tuned for a podcast we will be putting a podcast together here soon stay tuned for the book when me and scott finish it and stay tuned for a youtube channel as well all right well you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right and if it feels right then it must be left thanks for tuning in don't forget to like comment subscribe join the facebook community and feel free to ask questions Remember that left of normal people can get caught up in one particular mindset, struggling to make a transition to something newer, so bear with us in periods of change. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normie, 